listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey gals, Jess here. I'm excited about today's episode. We haven't done an episode like this in quite a while. And today's episode is all question and answer based. We're answering questions about running on mission. These are questions that I hear from y'all in my DMs, in my email, as I meet you when I travel to your churches around the country. And it is my joy to come in today and just sort of do some rapid fire answering to some of these frequently asked questions. It's worth noting right here up front that a lot of the answers I'm going to give you to questions that we go into today, you can find a more long form answer in my book, You Are the Girl for the Job. If you haven't read You Are the Girl for the Job yet, it's been out for about six months. It's a really long book. I mean, I'm saying really long, like it's so long. It's not that long, but it's way longer than a podcast. And it takes you, the reader, through not necessarily frequently asked questions, but the major pitfalls and breaking points that I find so many of us hit when it comes to running on mission. But let's stop right there right now. And I want to answer a frequently asked question that we hear all the time. And that's this. What do you mean by mission? What do you mean by mission? Are you talking about missionaries? Are you talking about people in ministry? Are you talking about those who feel like they're vocationally called to something, meaning they get paid for it or they do it as their day job? And I want to just define what I consider to be mission right now. I believe that mission is using what we've been given for the good of others and the glory of God. So I believe that stay-at-home moms run on mission. I believe that those who work in the church are running on mission. I believe that women who work in the police force are running on mission. I believe that those who work in government or in hospitals or in coffee shops all have the capacity to be running on mission, to use the gifts they've been given to serve others and give God glory. I think that the difference in just working a random day job and running on mission has a lot to do with intention and purpose and energy and where we put our focus. But I believe that we are all capable of running on mission in all our different seasons and in all our different particular callings. So I want to just say that right here. I think that a lot of times running on mission looks like starting something. I think a lot of times running on mission might look like quitting something. I think that running on mission might mean staying somewhere. I think it might look like relationship. I think it might look like building. I think it might look like hard conversation. I think it might look like serving. I think it might look a million different ways. But I define mission as using what you've been given for the good of others and the glory of God. And you hear me say that a ton on the podcast, and you're going to hear it echoed throughout today's episode too, because I believe those two things are the answer to a lot of our questions. Let's dig into our second question. Where do I start? (laughs) This is what I hear from you guys really frequently. Where do I start? 
Maybe I know what I'm supposed to do, or maybe I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. Maybe I'm in a job or a season where I'm working, where I'm doing something, but I know that this isn't my forever thing. It's not what God's asked me to do for the long haul. Maybe I'm in something and I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'm not doing anything. Maybe I'm in a pausing season where I I feel called to begin something, but I'm not sure what. How do I start? Well, I'm going to start to sound like a broken record already, but I want to encourage you to ask the question, what have you been given to use that brings glory to God and serves other people? What have you been given to use? What unique strengths and gifts has God given you? And what would it look like to start using them today? So here's the deal. The reason why we get tripped up with the question of where do I start is because so many of us picture ourselves at the finish line or so many of us picture ourselves nearer to the end of what our perceived mission will look like. And it's hard for us to imagine starting right now where we're at today, but that is absolutely where the obedience and the abundance lies. And so I find, honestly, this becomes a tool of the enemy to get us caught up in waiting and pausing and honestly getting hypnotized by the complexity of mission because we can only picture the finish line or we can only picture the 10 years down the road picture of what it'll look like to be using our gifts. And we're not remembering that we've been made able to be ambassadors of Christ today, right where we're at. So some of you have heard me tell this story. I won't tell it in depth if you have. When people ask me, how did you get started writing books? My answer is always this. I wrote devotionals for the women on my hall at my college dorm. No one asked me to. No one invited me to. I don't know that anyone liked them. No one published them. But I recognized, hey, I have a gift. I can use my words to influence and encourage people. I have this captive audience right here of these 80 or so women who are living on the exact same floor as me. I'm seeing them every single day. Why don't I just start writing them little daily devotionals and sending them via email? Now, I don't necessarily recommend harassing people with your words if they don't want to hear them, but I absolutely recommend taking God at his word that he'll equip you and he'll give you what you need and just start using your gifts today without a ton of thought or dreaming put into what the fruit will be because the fruit is his to determine. The obedience is ours and the abundance is ours for the taking, but God determines what the actual fruit of using that gift will be. So start today. What would it look like for you to start today using what you've got for the good of others and the glory of God. Now, the reason why I can't specifically answer that for you is a really good reason because you have gifts that I don't have and you have access to people that you can serve that I don't even know. And so I would be doing you a huge injustice if I said, here's step one, two, and three for what you need to do to run on mission today. Instead, I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is a better communicator than I ever could be and that God will give you insight and wisdom and vision into what it will look like for you to use your gifts right where you're at right now. Question number three, how do I push through the fear? Again, not to sound like a broken record, if you haven't read You're the Girl for the Job, we've got three chapters on fear and I want to encourage you to dig into those. There's stories, there's scripture, and there's 
very applicable advice in there about how to battle fear. And I want to tell you off the bat, I get it because I'm a scared person. I'm a person who struggles with the effects of living under a fallen world, meaning that I get scared too. I get anxious too. And so I'm going to answer this one quickly and honestly, and I'm going to encourage you to read the book if you haven't already. How do we push through with fear? I think the number one thing we have to acknowledge is that we will probably still be scared when we step into what God has for us. So many of us are tricked into believing that we have to get rid of the fear, that we have to, I don't know, figuratively punch fear in the face, that we have to not feel it to do the thing that we're asked to do, or we feel like there's something broken with us that we feel the fear. But the truth is I see people every single day and I see stories of people from hundreds of years past who absolutely felt the fear, who counted the cost of like, this is terrifying doing this thing God's asked me to do, but that doesn't make it not worth doing. So the number one way to push through fear in regards to mission is to recognize that you're probably going to have to act obediently and do the thing God's asked you to do, feeling fear as you go. Now, you can speak truth to that fear. You can be motivated to press through the fear and to to move courageously into what God's asked you to do by ding, 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 being motivated by the good of others and the glory of God. When I think about the pain and the problems of the people I'm serving, I am often so burdened and so spurred on that it feels worth it for me to take the next step even though I'm scared. And what's more, when I'm motivated by God's glory, when I'm seeing every act of mission as an act of worship and giving him praise, then I'm also not not necessarily not feeling the fear, but I'm distracted from it because I'm busy worshiping. And so I want to encourage you with those things. Number one, don't wait till you don't feel scared anymore. And number two, obsess over the good of those that you're there to serve and the glory that God is going to get from your obedient yes. Question number four. I love this question. We hear it so often. How do I run on mission with kids? What do I do if I know I'm meant for a life of mission, but I'm a stay at home mom? What do I do if I feel called and spurred on to start something, to grow something, to minister to people in some way, but I'm a working mom and I also have kids. I just want to say, I feel you sister. I've been all of those things. I've been a stay at home mom who feels called to mission. I've been a homeschool mom who feels called to mission. I've been a working mom who feels called to mission and they're all difficult. I don't want to start this question off by answering and saying like, it's no big deal. It's super easy. You've got this. (laughs) It's not. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's absolutely going to take asking yourself what's important to you, what matters to you. It's going to take listening to the Holy Spirit to figure out the best way to order and pattern your life so you can love your people well. I, I don't want to say like, you know, just pull out your calendar and make it work and figure out it's it's not that simple. It's intense. It takes prayer. It takes trying and failing. It takes asking for help. It takes all of those things. Some things have had to massively come off my plate because I know that I can run on mission and love my kids well and lead my family, but I cannot do all of those things and also have an amazing hot CrossFit body. 
that's that's not one thing that fits in with for me in this season. Um, I'm not sure that it's ever going to fit in in any season. I don't know that my body will do that. <laughs> Some of you listen, you might be all about making that fit in your schedule and that might be good. I share this often on the podcast. A big thing that's had to go for us and our family is like really extravagant or exciting birthday parties for our kids. We've got four kids and we're a family that runs on mission in a few different ways. And so we had to have a conversation with our kids a few years ago to say, listen, there's four of you, you have six cousins. So that's 10 of us all together. That's going to probably be our birthday party. Most times is getting together with our family and we want to treasure you and we want to honor what God's doing in your life. But the way our life is set up, the way our budget is set up, it's probably not going to be a birthday party with 40 kids and a ton of giveaway prizes and a special trip every single year. That's going to have to go for us. You get to figure out with God, with your family, what's right for you and what's not right for you. You get to figure out what stays on, what's life-giving, what aids you in running on mission and what doesn't. And I would be so wrong if I gave you a list of the things that will work and that won't work because your life is different, your kids are different and your mission is different. But hey, here's one really important thing I've got to tell you about running on mission with kids. Loving your kids and leading them to love others and give God glory is mission. It's enough. If you're in a season where it is taking all of your spiritual and mental and physical energy to love and care for your kids, I want to encourage you that you are absolutely changing the world. I also want to encourage you with this other thing that I've learned about motherhood that is so helpful, and that is that every season is different. There were times when my oldest kids were three, four, and five, or four, five, and six, and I thought, it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be this hard. It's always going to be this taxing, and guess what? I would learn the very next year it was different, or there were seasons when they were nine, 10, and 11 that I thought, like, man, we've really hit our sweet spot. This is a lot easier. And guess what? The next year it totally changed and everything shifted and the needs were different. Every season is different. My husband started encouraging me about 10 years ago saying a no for now is not a no for later. If you have to say no to something mission related in this season, it doesn't mean you'll say no to it forever. The seasons shift so quickly. And so if giving your kids all you've got is all you have right now, that's okay. That's mission. That's changing the world. Raising kids who love people and love God and are curious, that's good and that's worth it and that's beautiful. I also want to encourage you that your kids don't have to be separate from your mission. You can talk to them even when they're young about what God's asked you to do. You can invite them into it. Our kids are fully invited into various points of our ministry. They're at church with us most days when we're there. My daughter comes with me on speaking trips when I'm teaching women the Bible we don't want to drag them along and make them come, but we do try to invite them in and help them see the beauty of it. Things may shift and in different seasons, things may change, but I have to say we're at a point right now where our oldest kids are 11, 12, and 13, and they like being here. They like coming along. They like helping out. They feel ownership over what we do, and they get excited about it. And sometimes they complain, but you know what? Sometimes I do too. And so then we all get to have a heart check and let God shift us and change us. And we all get to rest together when it becomes too much. And that's a gift too. 
else, Take It Too Far comes out next Tuesday, March 24th. I am so excited about this book. It's 100 devotionals to help you take it too far. Abundant life, boundless love, unending grace. We talk about peace. We talk about rest. We talk about justice. We talk about mercy and patience and curiosity and all of these attributes that have been purchased for us on the cross of Christ and how we can take them too far. We have a bunch of free gifts for you if you pre-order two copies of the book. So go to jessconnelly.com backslash too far to find out more about those. Hey, here's question number five. I love this question. How do I know if I heard God correctly? Let's say you felt a pull, a tug, a push, a call to some version of mission, a job, a role, utilizing a gift. Maybe it was a move. I don't know what it looked like for you, but let's say you started it and you're asking maybe even at the onset, how do I know if I heard God right? Or let's throw out another scenario. Let's say you're maybe two years into it or you're three years into it and it's hard. Maybe things are not going great and it's tough and it's difficult. And now you're really wondering, how do I know if I heard God correctly? Well, here's my most honest answer. You don't. You don't totally know. But here's the really good news. I don't think the aim of our life is to hear God correctly and get it right every single second of the day. I think the aim of our life is to be known by God and to try to know him and to worship him and help other people know him. And I think we'd be in so much trouble if we decided that our job was to hear him correctly every single day and exactly obediently follow his call. My personal perspective is that I'm not strong enough or powerful enough to totally mess up God's plan for my life. So let's say I heard him wrong. Let's say he said, go A, and I heard B. Let's say that I heard him say, go to B, and he never said anything. My questions are, was I able to serve people along the way? Was it good for others? And did he get glory? That makes it worth it for me. And if at the end of the day, it's really hard or it's really difficult, or I need to stop and say, you know what? I think I got this one wrong. I'm safe to do that. Grace says that it's his righteousness, his goodness, his glory, all of those things that pull me together, push me on mission. It's not my goodness. It's not my rightness. It's not my glory that I'm after. It's his. And so if I need to pause and say, you know what? I might've heard this wrong that's okay. I think this is such a powerful tool, especially when it comes to talking to other people about what we perceive God has called us to. I hear from women all the time who say, I think God's called me to do this, but no one really agrees with me. Or I'm scared that people will think that I've heard God wrong, or I'm scared that people will maybe hear something from God entirely different. There is so much humility and therefore strength in us going to people and saying, I think this might be where God's directing me. 
I'm willing to let you ask me hard questions about it. I'm willing to let you give me your opinion. At the end of the day, I'm going to have to be obedient to God. But you know what? I don't perceive that I'm so right about every single little thing and that I have to be right. And then I'm willing to die on that hill. I want to worship God. I want to give him glory. I want to serve others. But I'm okay acknowledging that I don't know everything and that I only know what I know. The great news is, is that if we're terrified about hearing correctly, we don't have to be because we are absolutely going to hear wrong. We're human. We live under the effects of the fallen world. We get tempted and confused and we get messages put in our head from a variety of different sources and that's okay. Sometimes we're really going to know that we know that we know that we've heard from God and it might not make sense to anyone else. And that's great. And we can stand on that strength. And sometimes we're going to think we might have heard from God. And the best thing we can do is try to serve others and give him glory as we move forward and see what works, see what sticks, see what happens. And that's okay too. Your life isn't a test. Your life isn't an exam to figure out whether or not you can directly discern the voice of God at all times. You can ask him to be clear. You can invite in wise voices to give you counsel. You can see if what you believe you're hearing lines up with his word. And from there, you're safe to just try. Does it serve others? Does it bring God glory? I'd say give it a shot. Question six. I love this question. How can I remain fully confident when things are not working out the way I thought they would? Let's say you've made a move in your God-given mission. Let's say you've started something or you're in a job and it is hard. It is not easy. It is full of tension or strife. How can you remain fully confident? Well, my counter question is, what are you remaining fully confident in? This again relates back to our last question about how do we hear from God correctly? I think so many times we get tripped up when we are not fully confident in ourselves, in our ability to do something correct or our ability to hear from God correctly. But the great news is we were never meant to be fully confident in ourselves. I believe the question is, are you fully confident in God? Are you fully confident in his ability to show up in and through you where you're at, even when you mess up, even when others mess up? Are you fully confident in his ability to bring hope, to bring redemption, to bring healing, even to the hardest parts of your life? You don't have to white knuckle it and, and say like, I am fully confident that I've got this. That will not work the first time you totally mess up. But you can remain fully confident in his grace, in his mercy, and his power, in his presence, and in the person of Jesus Christ, who loves you and gave his life for you and has started a good work in your life and has promised to complete it. How do you remain fully confident? Dive into God's presence. Get at his feet. Read his word. Talk to him. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him for help. Be reminded about how good and how faithful and how loving he is. I love this question. How do we grow and stay passionate as it pertains to our God-given mission? How do we grow passionate? How do we become more passionate? And how do we stay passionate? Because absolutely we know that that leaks, it goes away. Our passion and our vision sometimes dissipates over time. 
How do we grow passionate? How do we stay passionate? Here's my quick answer. Be obsessed with the problem and the solution. And both are equally important. So my God-given mission is serving women. I want to leave my generation more in awe of God that I found it. I want to come alongside the women of right now and encourage them in their God-given gifts, encourage them to use them for the good of others and the glory of God. I do that through writing. I do that through speaking. I do it through podcasting. I do it through coffee dates. But absolutely, does my passion wane? Does it dissipate? Does does it slowly leak away over time? Yes, totally. Absolutely. How I stay passionate is becoming obsessed with the problem and the solution. Number one, I have to have constant access to people who are hurting and burdened and broken over their God-given mission. I have to hear from women who are in the thick of it. I have to hear from women who are eager to start and don't know where to go. I have to talk to and be surrounded by real women who are working through these issues and these problems. And I have to pay attention to it. I have to hear their pain to stay passionate. You've been handed a unique set of gifts and strengths and even been allowed a unique set of weaknesses to serve different people. Are you listening to them and allowing yourself to have curiosity and compassion for what breaks them? Are you willing to listen to their burdens and hear from them and be broken for them? Listening to the problem makes me passionate. But here's the deal. If I only listen to the problem, if I'm only obsessed with the brokenness, I will become just as discouraged and defeated as some of the women that I'm trying to serve. So I also have to be passionate and obsessed with the solution, which means I've got to get with God and see his hope and redemption and restoration through his word, through the power of the spirit and other people, through testimonies of the strengths and weaknesses of other people being used for the good of others and the glory of God. I've got to surround myself and listen to stories of people who are ahead of me. I've got to be learning and listening to different solutions that I maybe don't know yet. I've got to be hearing from God about what he wants for our generation. And that sounds like a crazy and big thing to ask, but I think it's a question all of us should be asking. Not only to God, hey, what have you ordered up for me today? But what are you doing right now in time? And how am I uniquely gifted to serve and encourage and love other people and bring as many people with me into the marvelous light that I've been purchased into. I think that's something all of us get to do. We get to go to God and say, what's the solution? Where are you taking us? Where's the light leaking in? Where's the healing and redemption and restoration? And here's the great news. It's the same age old answer in different forms. It's Jesus. It's our friend, Jesus. It's our savior, Jesus. It's the author and perfecter of our faith doing a new thing and an old thing all at once. It's good news that sustains, but I've got to be obsessed with the solution just like I'm obsessed with hearing and knowing the problems of the people that I'm ministering to. That's how we grow and stay passionate. Hey, we started this podcast by defining mission, and I want to end it after all those rapid spitfire questions with just saying this, you're already in it. You're already doing it. 
right now, when you listen to this podcast, if you're in your car, if you're drying your hair, if you're brushing your teeth, if you're making dinner, if you're on a walk, if you're exercising, if you're sending emails, today you are changing the world. There is absolutely no other way around it. By breathing, by being, by loving, by seeing others, by speaking, by showing up, you are shifting the things around you. You cannot get out of it. You are a woman of mission. You are a woman who changes the world. The opportunity for us is to pause and to put some intention and purpose and passion behind everything that we're doing and ask God, what have you given me for the good of others and the glory of God? How can I do it with more intention, with more joy, with more awareness of the grace that you've given me and extended toward me? How can I do it more honestly? How can I do it more humbly? How can I do it more fervently? How can I not quit? Those are all the questions we get to ask about mission, but I want to tell you right now, there is no magic starting line. You're in it. You're a woman of mission. If by grace through faith, you're a part of the family of God, that means you are an ambassador for the kingdom. You shift spaces when you go into them. That's who you are. You have no say in it. And that's the best news. God is mighty in you and you can't make it any other way. So, what are you going to do knowing that today? How are you going to move into what's next for you? How are you going to ask him for help? How are you going to worship? What does fighting fear look like for you? What is the obedience that leads to abundance today, right now? I love you guys. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for this podcast and that we get to have conversations like this. I'm excited about the spring ahead on the podcast. We have some incredible interviews and some great coaching-esque episodes coming your way. God is mighty in you. You are the girl for the job. Let's take it too far. Let's go. I love you guys. Music.